Great to have you guys here. Thanks for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Happy New Year's. Thanks for being a part of our services this weekend. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars, guys. We love you. Great to have you guys with us. What a great time of year. I'm loving this weather. Aren't you guys loving this? It feels so nice. Winter is the best 10 days of the year in South Texas. We love it. So glad, glad you guys are here. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we're talking about a new year. And, and I wanted to give you guys a new year with a new perspective. How can you make this year a better year than last year? How many of you guys need a better year this year than last year? Amen to that, right? Yes. Yeah, so let's let, Lord, let's start with no storms this year, right? How about that one, right? That'd be a great, that'd be a great plus. But you know, I tell you what, it's been a crazy year for a lot of people. And I've heard over and over again from people this last year that, man, it's just been tough. Just a lot of difficulties, a lot of people facing a lot of adversity. And so I really want to start off this year strong. And I believe God has a big year for you and for me. God put this on my heart several months ago just to pronounce to you that this next year is going to be a year for you where you see great things happen. How's that sound? Can you receive that? I believe it's really going to be that way. Hey, let's start off by saying our mission statement together. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. So we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Also, I want to thank you guys again for making Christmas Eve such a spectacular weekend. I'm so excited to announce to you we had 15,451 people at all of our campuses combined. That is amazing. And my favorite part, 80 people crossed the line to become Christ followers this Christmas Eve right here at Church Unlimited. That's what we're all about. So great, great news. And so glad again that you guys could be here for, for New Year's Eve weekend. You know, New Year's Eve is a great time. Now, if you're an optimist, you stay up until midnight on New Year's Eve to bring in a new year. If you're a pessimist, you stay up till midnight to make sure the old year leaves, right? I mean, so either way... We're going to do our best to stay up till midnight. You know, the older I get, the harder it is to stay up till midnight. I don't know what it is about that, but I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go to bed. You know, the year will, will, will be here in no time, right? It's just one of those things. But, you know, New Year's is, is honestly it's kind of a time where we, we typically sit back at the house and don't go to parties or anything like that. Nothing wrong with that. Just typically, I think the older I get, the more I really uh, party to me basically means some pizza and a football game. So, you know. That's a great time for me. But, uh, so, by the way, I just want to let you know, if you were born in September, that means your parents did go out with a bang on, Christmas Eve, on New Year's Eve at some point in your past, just to let you know. <laughs> just to give you that thought, just to let you know about that. So, uh, someone was praying. Uh, they said, Dear God, uh, please, my prayer for this next year is that I have a fat bank account and a thin body. Lord, please don't reverse that again like you did last year, right? <laughs> yeah. Totally understand that. So, hey, if you got your notes, pull those out. I want to give you some things to write down today. And so uh, I want to give you some verses to write down. First one is Proverbs 23, 7 says this in the Amplified Translation. It says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So how you think this next year, if you think the same this year as you did last year, you'll get similar results. But if you begin the year by thinking differently about your year, about your life, about your career, about your marriage, about your kids, about all that you have going on in your life. If you begin to think differently, it changes everything. You don't actually have to change jobs, change marriages, change out your kids. I know we'd like to be able to do that. We don't actually have to change out any of those things for everything to be different. If we just change how we think, it changes everything. If we just have a different mindset, it's a total game changer on all of our lives. For example, do you think that it'd be pretty safe to say that if Warren Buffett lost every penny he had, that in a few years he could get it all back? How many of you guys think that's possible? Could it be then that the reason he's not ahead financially is not because of an advantage that he had growing up, maybe it's more of a mindset that he had? Could you agree with that? That it was a mindset that got him where he is, 
in the same way a mindset got us where we are, for the good or the bad. So if we change the way we think, it changes everything. So I want to give you some perspective changes to start this new year off. And the next week, we're going to go into sort of a part two of this, where I'm going to introduce to you the word for the year that God gave me for our entire church. So we're going to talk about that next week. You're going to be excited about this. I'm not just talking about the church, but the church is made up of people. That's you and me. And so next year's word, this next year, I think you're going to be really excited about what God has put on my heart to prophesy over you. Don't miss next week. Not, not to mention you don't want to miss next week, because next week we're doing communion at all of our services and our weekend services. And so very excited about that. That's a rare thing for us to do on the weekend services. We're excited about doing that. So if you've never taken part in communion in our church, don't miss next week. You're going to love it. It's a very powerful moment. It's very exciting to, to be a part of that. And so please join this for next week as we talk about that. You know, every year I go skiing with my family. I'm a big ski buff. I love to do it. I was hoping to do it this, this Christmas, but it was a little light on the snow, so we decided to hold off a couple more weeks or maybe a month. I'm not sure when, but at some point we'll go skiing, and I love to do it. I, I'm just addicted to the snow. I'm one of those guys that goes to snowreport.com and follows the snow, and I want to see how we're doing, how much powder is there. I really get into all that, and so I typically do that, but here's the thing. Every year when I'm skiing, I get all my gear on, I mean, I've got my, my boots strapped in, got the ski strapped to the boot, I've got the poles in my hand, I've got all this gear, man, I'm like really into it. And so we'll go four or five days, and my kids will, out of four or five days, ski three to four of those days. My wife will ski two to three of those days, my oldest son two to three of those days, and then I'll ski four out of five of the days. If there's five days, I'll ski five days. If there's four days, I'll ski four days. In other words, I ski every day, the whole time I'm there. And even when my family's skiing with me towards the end of the day, they're like, yeah, I'm going to get tired. I'm going to go. And they're like, all right, I'll see you later, which means I'm skiing until they kick me off the mountain because I just enjoy it. But every time I'm on the lift, the same experience happens to me over and over again. We're on the lift. If you've ever been skiing, you understand this. I'm on the lift. I'm thinking, ah, I got a few minutes. You know, it's going to take a while to get up the hill to get up the mountain. So I take off my gloves and I sit on the gloves because if you don't, they drop. You've probably done this before. You've lost a, a glove, right? So you've learned kind of tuck them in or clamp them on or something. So I take off my gloves so I can get my hands loose and I'll get my cell phone out. I'm checking email or sending text responses or whatever, right? And so I'm just checking my phone real quick or I'm getting some gum or whatever, just kind of adjusting. I'll take my helmet off and just kind of, because it kind of gets tough on your, on your ears. And so I just kind of, as I'm going up the hill, I'm like, let me just take them on. I have time. And then it never fails. I think I got so far to go. And so I'm fine. I'm just relaxing. I'm talking to my kids or talking to whoever's on the lift with me as I go up. And it never fails that I think I have longer than I think. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, oh, I got to get off. And so I'm putting my helmet on real fast, getting the gloves on real quick, trying to get everything situated to lift the bar up because I'm always closer than I think to the top. It always happens every time. I've got some good news here today. I want to share something with you. You are closer than you think to the top. Whatever it is that you are aiming for, I promise you, you're closer than you think. Oftentimes, we think we're further down than we should be, but I believe that you are closer than you think to a breakthrough. I believe you're closer than you think to your marriage turning around. I believe you're closer than you think to your wayward child turning around. I think you're closer than you think to a financial breakthrough. You're closer than you think to experiencing God in a fresh new way. You are closer than you think to your goals being achieved. So let's get our gear on and get ready to hit the top of the mountain. That makes sense? So let's talk about that. I want to give you a couple things right down. Please write this down. The first thing is this. Number one, you are up to the task at hand. You are up to the task at hand. What has God called you to? What has he purposed in your heart? You are up for that. Whatever God has placed upon your heart, whatever desires he has given you, in fact, the Bible says he, he has secret petitions that he puts in your heart. Let me share a couple of scriptures. It says in Ephesians 3.16, 
It says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. So according to him, he has unlimited resources for you. You know, this is a key verse that we got our name, Church Unlimited. Because we believe God is an unlimited God. Psalms 84, 11 says this, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give you grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Isn't that good? There's no gift he's not willing to give you if you'll walk with him that he has planned for your life. There is nothing he will withhold from you if you'll just honor him. If you'll just Walk with him and put him first in your life. Hebrews 10, 35 says, So don't lose your confidence since it holds a great reward for you. I want to encourage you not to lose your confidence in the Lord. Don't lose your confidence in you as well. See, not only is it amazing that we can believe in God, but what's really cool is God believes in us. And so he empowers us to do great things. He puts dreams in your heart, not to frustrate you, but to see those accomplished. He wants to help you achieve those things and more. And so number one, again, you are up to the task at hand. You can do it. There's more in you than you realize. You have more in you to accomplish whatever it is God has placed on your heart. You know, this, this last month, about a month and a half ago, we were in the middle of a giving emphasis, and you know, we've never really done an annual offering before. We've done a three-year annual, a, a three-year offering to build buildings and things, do, things like that, but we've never done an annual offering before. It's kind of a shift for us, and, and, and when I look at the Bible and you study people uh, in Scripture, there was always special offerings. In fact, actually, the Jewish people had three or four special offerings a year or more. And so we don't believe in doing it that often. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, not against it. I just think that, frankly, that could probably be, since, since we didn't grow up in that culture, that probably just, frankly, wear us out, to be honest with you. I think people would be like, good, not having offerings right. So we understand that. So we, instead of having multiple special offerings for this mission, for this cause, things like that, we just do an annual offering. And so this last year is our first time to do it. And to be honest with you, I was a little nervous. I was like, I don't know how people are going to buy into this. And it's kind of been a tight year, but I really felt led by God to do this. And, and so sometimes I'm like, well, Lord, things, things are not always going that well for everyone in South Texas. A lot of people got hit by the storms. We personally got hit by the storms. I mean, I've personally experienced some losses this year. I'm having to replace roofs, not one roof, but multiple roofs on, on homes that we, that we own, some rental properties. And I'm like, man, Lord, I, I've experienced some losses and, and, and I know other people have too. And now we're asking people to give above and beyond. Lord, I just don't know this is going to go. And to be honest with you, I realized I lacked faith, but I really felt God encouraged me to push forward. So I was like, okay, God, we're going to do this. And we didn't really know what the results were going to look like, but we knew God was leading us. We know that we, we feel led by God to move forward with rebuilding Rockport. We knew that was going to take resources. Uh, we also knew that we felt led by God to, to, to open up a brand new building in San Antonio to build that new building and, and to expand uh, our, our operations and to, uh, to, to do some work on West Side that desperately needs it. So we had all these things in, the, in motion, but frankly, we didn't have the cash, but God was stirring in our hearts to the special offering. So I thought, this offering can go towards those things, but Lord, we don't know we're going to land. We know I want to tell you something, guys. You really came through. I'm very impressed. I, I got to be honest with you, my faith was blown by. God just, I, I think God just laughed at me going, really, you didn't believe I could do this? Look what I just did. And you know, God's so good that through your sacrifice, we have a commitment over $1.1 million over the next three months. That's incredible. Thank you for that sacrifice. That's exciting. Now, let me tell you, that's commitments, which not all come in. And we still have a lot of people who have not committed to anything. We would ask you to still join us in that. In fact, the, the, if you add up 
all the costs that we're looking at. It's about two million, so we still have needs. So don't think like we're just sitting around on cash. It's it's not the case. All of it is accounted for, and then some by faith. I'm gonna have to add a little faith to it to get there. But we believe God will open that door. But I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. We are blown away by your generosity, and just once again proves that we are as a church up to the task at hand as well. And so are you. Your individual task, whatever you're facing right now, you're up to the task and saying, oh, I just can't go handle working and going to school at the same time. Yes, you can. People do it every day. You're up to the task at hand. Oh, I just can't handle raising all these little ones. It's so difficult to have toddlers. You're up to the task at hand. I don't know if I can turn my marriage around. You're up to the task at hand. I don't know if I can pay off this debt. You are up to the task at hand. You tell me the task, and I will tell you, the greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are up to the task at hand. You can handle it. Second thing I want to tell you is this. Number two, you are created, you, you are created to create. Don't compete, create. You know what I mean by that is oftentimes we find ourselves looking to other people and what they're doing and we're trying to compete against them. Big mistake a lot of people make because your life is not supposed to be lived in the mold of someone else. So why are you competing against someone else? Instead, create. I'll even tell you in business terms, you say, well, I have competitors. You know the number one way to beat your competitors every time? Quit competing with them. Create instead. Pull a Steve Jobs. Instead of competing, Steve Jobs didn't go look and see what Samsung's making. He just said, we're going to make a phone call to smartphone. We're going to do something better and bigger, and we're going to combine music on our phone. Who's doing that? No one at the time. But he created something. When he did that, everyone had to follow him. He, he created a new market. We need to go Steve Jobs in our lives and say, rather than competing with my neighbor, rather than looking on Instagram for ideas of how I should live my life, why don't I decide how I'm going to live my life? Why don't I let the Lord, who's put things on my heart to do, stir in me to create the life I want rather than comparing myself to other people? This is a big problem, guys. Don't compare your life to other people. You will always either be depressed and frustrated because everyone's life looks better on Instagram and on, on you know, social media. But if, if you set that aside and say, God, what did you call me to do? Focus on creating the life that you want. Does that make sense? Don't worry about what other people are doing. Run in your lane because you don't know where they're at in their life. And by the way, when you do compare yourself to other people, let me give you a little hint. It's not as good as you think in their world, and it's not as bad as you think in your world. Do you hear that? It's not as good as you think in their marriage. It's not as bad as you think in your marriage. It's not as good as you think with their kids. It's not as bad as you think with your kids. It's not as good as you think in their career. It's not as bad as you think in your career. We have a tendency to always think, oh, their life is so great, and my life is just so terrible. And their, first of all, their life is not that great. I'm not trying to knock anyone or knock someone down. I'm just telling you, everyone likes to present themselves like they're way better than they are. No one's life is that good all the time. No one's that happy. No one's that perfect. But we present this image of how great we're doing. And so what happens is we compare ourselves against a falsehood. We compare ourselves against Hollywood. That We know that's total lies. I mean, that's totally bogus. It's been proven now that that stuff is just made up. All these Hollywood people, oh, we're so in love. Yeah, for the next six months before you get divorced. And so don't compare yourself the things that aren't real. You are created to create. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. So if He planned things long, long ago for us to do, then how do we know what that plan is? Let me give you a hint. Two ways. Number one, where are you gifted? Because He's so smart that what He planned for you to do, He gifted you to be able to do it. So where are you gifted? Number two, what's your heart drawn to? God put desires in you that match what he wants you to do. 
I mean, wouldn't that be really smart for the Creator to create you with a goal in mind? I mean, I'm just thinking, that's probably pretty smart. I'm pretty sure the people who created a Jeep did not create that to get good gas mileage and to be a hybrid and to go on the highway. If you compare it to a hybrid, it'll always miserably fail. But if you create a Jeep to do what it's supposed to do, go off-road, then guess what? Nothing can compare with it. Does that make sense? If you compare a hybrid car that's supposed to just get really good gas mileage, right? If you compare that gas mileage to a Jeep, the hybrid will win every time. Why? It's created for that. What are you built to do? It's a great hint into what God made you to do. Get busy doing those things. It says in Genesis 1.27, God created human beings. He created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. Do you know that he made you God-like? He made you like God. And so if he made you like him, and so he wants you to be like him, and yet God created the whole world, then that means you and I are supposed to create our world. The best way for you to predict your future is to create it. If you want to have a great career, create a great career. If you want a great marriage, create a great marriage. Well, I can't control that. No, you can control 50% of it. You can control a lot of it. And so do your part. And you can create a great marriage. If you will begin to create the life you want. Oh, I don't like my backyard. Create the backyard you want. No one has a cool backyard unless they created it. It didn't just magically appear. Someone built something nice, right? Create the home environment you want. Create the work environment you want. You can create the future that you want. Reflecting God's nature, Scripture goes on to say, He created the male and female. God blessed them. He said this, prosper, reproduce, Fill the earth, take charge, be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. You know what that means? Have dominion is the word that is used here. Dominate your space is what that means. You are not meant to just be average. You are built to dominate your space, your space in the marketplace, your space at school, your space at whatever it is that you do. You were supposed to lead the way in the area that God created you to do. And Psalms 37, 4, it says this in the Amplified Translation. I love this. It says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires, and check it out, and the secret petitions of your heart, the things that, shh, you don't want anyone else to know about. Because if you told people what you really desired, they would think you're arrogant. God says, I know what those things are, and I made you to get those things. I want you to achieve those things. This may really shock you, but God actually wants you to like your life. Kind of like you want your kids to be happy, right? Well, if you want your kids to be happy, and we're just humans, and we, I mean, I'm just an average human father, and I want my kids to be satisfied and happy in life and successful, then how much more would my heavenly father, with no sin, how much more would he want me and you to be happy and satisfied and successful in our lives, right? So God wants you to be blessed. And so number two, you were created to create. Don't compete, create. Quit comparing yourself to other people. And instead, focus on what God wants you to do with your life. And let me just mention one other thing. If you want your life to change this year, if you want your life to be different this year, do something different. If you don't do anything different, don't expect a different result. You've got to do something different to get a different result. I don't feel close to God. I want to feel close to God. Do something different. It's different for everybody. For me, it's journaling. It's the one-year Bible. That makes me feel close to God. That draws me close to God. I have another friend of mine. You know what he does? He reads the book of Acts on his knees. I thought, wow, that's so unique. He said, that's what God's told me to do. 
I get on my knees and I read the book of Acts. He's talking because he's praying for his church to grow and to thrive. And so he reads about the original church and how it grew and to thrive. And he reads it on his knees. What that's saying is, God, I'm desperate for you to do something. Isn't that powerful? Everyone has something different. What is your power source? What are you going to do differently? You know, people that work out tell you, well, if you keep doing the same routine, you'll get stuck in it. You got to change it up. You got to throw your muscles off where they don't know what's coming next, right? So I do it every once in a while. I'm like, I'm going to shift from eating chocolate ice cream to strawberry ice cream and throw my muscles. It's not working, but I'm trying. You know what I'm saying? The point is, is that you've got to do something different, right? If you want a different result, right? And so I'm not sure what it is for you, but I want to challenge you to do something different spiritually. For you to maybe say, you know what I'm going to do every day? I'm going to get a, a devotional book and go by the Christian bookstore, find a good devotional book, and I'm going to keep it in my car, and I'm going to read one devotional before I walk into work every day. First of all, that would change your whole mindset for work, wouldn't it? Just one devotion. You say, man, I, I want God to do big things in my life. Well, isn't that a simple thing you could do? Keep in mind, big doors swing on small hinges. Little changes can, can be a big thing. What about that? You say, I want my marriage to be different. Why not every night you say, we're just going to pray together. Even if we're mad at each other, we're going to stop and pray. It's hard to stay mad if you're praying. It's just hard to do that. Sometimes it may be, God, bless our marriage, amen. <laughs> That's probably a longer prayer than you pray with your spouse in a long time. Let's just be honest. If you want something different, you've got to do something different. I know of a guy that, that he went in, he was talking with his pastor, and his pastor was an older guy, and he thought, man, he has such fire about him. Even as he gets older in age, and most guys, when they kind of get older, they sort of wind down a bit. He's not winding down. He's got so much fire in him. And so he said, what is your secret? And he said, I ah, just love the Lord. Just read the word. And he was like, okay, thanks. And so the next week he comes back, and he's like, okay, again, man, that message is amazing, and I just see the fire, and your leadership people are getting fire. What are you doing? He's like, I just love the Lord. And he's like, Finally, about three or four weeks in, he comes in and just demands. He goes, what are you doing? I can't take anymore. Tell me what you're doing differently. And finally, the guy said, I read the word. He goes, how do you read the word? He said, I read through the entire New Testament every week. Wow. There's the power. What are you doing differently to get a different result? For years, I would pray. And ask God to do something big at our church. And one day I'm reading scripture and I read about Jericho. And about how the Israelites circled Jericho. And, and as they did that, they were just quiet. I thought, what would you do if you're quiet and the Lord told you to do something? You're listening to the Lord, right? You're praying. You're walking around. Now I'm sure half the soldiers are like, we're just told to do this. But the leaders know what, knew why they were doing it. And they kept walking around. God said, go around once and shout, go around. Right? And the last day, they're going to go around seven times and shout, and the walls will come down. And the walls came down. Now, I, I'm not praying for our walls to come down. But I will tell you this, or maybe it's a wall standing in your way. And God's saying, if you'll do something different, I'll bring that wall down. Does that make sense? Sometimes the Lord leads me just to pray by walking around our building. I've done that. And then one time, a number of years ago, I felt led to pray while walking around a building. And I also felt led as I was praying to call people. As the Lord spoke to me, different people, I would just call them and say, I'm walking around the building praying, come join me. And they were like, what? And I was like, I know it seems kind of crazy, but God just told me to do it. Time and again, as God led me to call someone, as I'm walking around a building, I would call them, and I had people just jump in and say, and come up, and they'd park their truck or their car and run over and start walking with me, and I can't tell you how many times someone would join me walking around, and they would go, I cannot believe you called me today. You don't even know your timing. I don't. I'm just doing what God told me to do, and they would start walking around the building with me praying, and God broke through some things. We needed a breakthrough this church. God did that. Why? 
I believe that part of it wasn't just the prayer. I think part of it was me doing something different. I know that seems so simple, but what are you going to do differently to get close to God? What are you going to do differently to get close to your kids? What are you going to do differently to be closer in your marriage than ever before? How are things going to be different? You've got to make a decision to create a new future by doing something different. I want to challenge you to do that. Make sure that you do that. Look at it says in 2 Peter 1 verse 3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for, a, for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So, so God's saying, you have everything you need to succeed in living a godly life. Godly, godly life means doing what God wants you to do. So God says here in this verse, everything you need to do, what you need to do, you already got it. Quit waiting for some extra component when God's saying, you have all the components. Just get started. That's what God's word is telling us here. It says in Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches. Whatever you need, God says, I'll give it. Get started. I'll provide everything that you need. I want to read a very, uh, 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 kind of an unknown scripture. I was reading this because I thought, you know, we just did Christmas, right? And that's celebrating the birth of Christ. What happened right after the birth of Christ? Here it is, a week after we celebrated the birth of Christ. So what actually happened right after Christ was born? What happened? Check the scripture out. There's a guy named Simeon in the scripture. I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy, but check out the story. Look what it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. It says, at that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, that means God of control. Now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. So God speaks to Simeon years before. Some theologians say up to 20 years before this happened, that he had told Simeon when he was an old man, I will not let you die until you see my salvation. So he spoke to him and said, you will meet the Savior before you die. What has God told you is going to happen in your life before you die? See, there's some things that you shouldn't die with. God did not intend you and I to die with our dreams still in us. He wants you, whenever you do pass, to die having done all the things He put in your heart to do. He wants to fulfill what He's placed on your heart. How many of you guys receive this right now? That he wants to fulfill something in you. Right now, I see hands going up at all of our campuses right now because he wants to fulfill something in you today. And so number three is you have more options and resources to do what you want to do. You have more options and resources than you realize to do what you want to do. One of the ways I know that I'm getting good mentoring is when I call up my mentor and I say, here's my options, A, B, and C. What do you think I should do? And oftentimes he says, that's all the options you think you have? I'm like, yeah. And all of a sudden, by the time the conversation is over, we have 10 options that I hadn't even thought about. I'm like, wow. What happens is we get locked into what we can see. But if you'll expand your mind, there's so many more options than you realize. Don't lock yourself into what you've been told you can do or can't do. Don't lock yourself into what you even believe you can or can't do. 
God wants to expand your options and give you more opportunity than you even know what to do with. And so I want to challenge you to be like Simeon because this is your year to see the salvation of the Lord. What that means is this is your year to see promise fulfilled. How's that sound? How many of you guys received that today? This is your year to receive the promise, right? Write these things down. I want to give you three quick ways that we see Simeon saw this happen. Now, we can't control God's side. God controls that. But I believe God is waiting on us. Here's the thing. Nobody can keep you from your destiny except you. Did you catch that? No one can keep you from your destiny except you. So we know God will do his part. He always comes through with this promise. So what's our part? Three things we see from Simeon. The first is this. Get right with God. It said Simeon was a righteous man. That means he was walking with God. You have to pass the character test. You know, rich people tell me that the secret to riches is not making money. It's no longer losing money. Ask anyone who's rich and they'll say, principle number one, don't lose money. Smart, isn't it? That'll really help you get ahead. You quit losing money, right? And so in the same way, the best way for you to get ahead with God, quit losing ground. And every time you start walking with God, if you make a decision you know is counter to God's word, you just took a step back. Quit losing ground. And so it's time to recognize that God only blesses those who walk with him. He will not. Do you believe God's a just God? How many of you guys believe God's a just God, like the Bible says, right? Then don't you think it's only just and fair? Just means fair. Don't you think it's only fair and just and right for God to bless you if you're walking with him? Or is God going to go, you know what, you've been ignoring me lately. I want to bless that. How do you guys think that's going to happen? No, that's not just God. He doesn't bless unfaithfulness. Oh, you yeah, haven't been in my house in a long time. I want to make sure you feel close to me. No, it doesn't work like that. When you're walking with God, you feel close to him. When you're in his house, when you're honoring him, when you're doing the things God calls you to do. I mean, listen, bottom line is this. You have no right to what you're not willing to pursue. You have no right to it. You don't accidentally, you know, I've never seen anyone walk across the stage to get a degree and they put the diploma in your hand. I've never seen anyone stop and go, I don't know how this happened. This is so cool. I just showed up, walked in, and they handed me this. No. You pursued that. It was earned. It's only just for anything of accomplishment to be earned. And so a just God will bless your work. He'll bless your efforts, but he's not going to bless laziness. Amen. He's not going to bless a wayward lifestyle that's walking off from God. He's not going to bless you blowing him off. But if you'll honor him, he'll bless that. If you seek him, he'll bless that. And what if I seek him and I think he's telling me something and it's the wrong thing? According to the Bible, he'll bless you anyways. Why? Because you sought after him. Because you just tried. He doesn't even bless it because you got it all right. He blesses it because your heart was right in your attempt. That's what he blesses. Isn't it good to know that? You don't have to get it all right. He blesses the attempt. And so get right with God. The second thing we see Simeon does is devote yourself to the promise of God. What has God promised you in your spirit? What has he told you can happen in your life? What picture has God given you? And you know when this happens, by the way, is when you're in worship. When you're seeking God, God begins to give you a mental picture of what he has for your life. And when you're, why is it that when I talk about dreams and destiny and future and purpose and all this kind of stuff, the same thing comes to your mind every time. I don't put that in your mind. That would be you. Why is that? The closer you get to God, the clearer the picture gets. Hmm. It's almost like there's a God doing that. Making it clear to you. 
And so my point is this. If God's given you a clear picture of it, have you devoted yourself to that picture? Have you devoted yourself to moving in a direction of what you believe God for? People say, why did you ever think the church had turned into all this? Now, I didn't know it would be quite this size, but did I believe this kind of church would appear one day? Yes. I worked towards this. I'm not saying it was in my power. God blessed it, but clearly God gave me a clear vision of what it was supposed to look like, and we've been working towards that for 20 years. This is not an accident. You have to understand, you have to work towards what you want. So you tell me what you want. You don't get to 50 years of marriage by accident. You don't get to a PhD by accident. You don't complete your dissertation by accident. You don't stumble upon success. You don't stumble upon a godly life. Those are choices you make by devoting yourself to something that matters. You have no right to what you will not pursue. A just God will not hand you a great life without your work. And this is an unpopular thing in today's world. But if you don't work hard, you're not going to get what you want. And I feel like I should save you some time from sitting around and thinking I'm going to scream hallelujah five times, spin around the guy will just give it to me. No, he won't. He wants you to work. He wants you to learn to earn. He wants you to learn to take what God is saying is yours. He says, Adam and Eve, this whole garden's yours. But guess what? You're not going to get any fruit till you go pluck it off the tree. You got to go get it. It's there for you. Go get it. The Bible says over and over again that when someone honors God, he says, you will possess the land. Land's already there. Go get it. God is saying to you today, the raise is already there. Go get it. The promotion's already there. Go get it. Whatever it is that you want, go get it. God has given you hands and feet for a reason. Well, if the Lord wants me to have that raise, he'll just cause it to happen. You know, let's base upon that. Let's just take that logic for a second. I think this is the most ridiculous thing I hear Christians say all the time. Well, if the Lord wants a church to grow, it'll just grow. No, it'll grow because we bring people to church. That's why churches grow. Not because we just think maybe, well, if the Lord wants it to grow. Oh, no, let's take the opposite of that. No, the Lord doesn't want the church to grow. Really? You believe that? Of course God wants his church to grow. Of course God wants you to be blessed. Well, if the Lord wants my career to take off, then God will cause it. Okay, based upon that, next meal you eat, sit in front of you, don't pick up the knife and fork, put your hands by your side and say, if the Lord wants me to fed, he'll feed me. <laughs> he gave you hands. If you don't understand the simple principle that God intended for you to feed yourself, then you're going to starve at what you want in life. He wants you to learn to pursue the things of God. Pursue righteousness. Pursue the goal. Paul said it this way. This one thing I do, I'm going to pursue what God has called me to. Someone needs to get fired up again and get your fire back so this year's different than last year. Start pursuing something. That's how you get somewhere. What needs to change in this year is you. If you change, everything changes. If you don't change, nothing will change. You can change all the characters and figures out, but if you don't change, it'll all be the same. You gotta be willing to change. But the moment you're willing to do that, if you'll get right with God, devote yourself to the promise of God, and here's the next thing. Take your next step as the Holy Spirit leads you. There's always a next step. What step is stopping you? You say, man, this step is so big, I just can't get there. It's just too big of a step. Well, then take a smaller step. Who said you have to go all the way there? I just can't write a whole book. Well, not in one night. Can you write an opening paragraph? Start with that. I can't write a sentence. 
And then pat yourself on the back. All right, all right, we started. All right, second sentence. And when you get to the paragraph, you can stop. But I bet you'll keep going. See, once you get started, then it just starts to flow, doesn't it? And then once you get going, by the way, you don't write a book. Take it from a guy who's an author. You don't write a book. You rewrite a book. So what you do is you get all your thoughts on paper and you write really, really badly. And then you bring in people that are a lot smarter than you to help you edit it. In other words, write a really bad book. Then bring someone in to help make it into a good book. But you got to get content on paper for someone to work with. Does that make sense? Remember the year I said, oh God, I believe you're leading me to be a best-selling author. And I remember the Lord tapping me on the shoulder going, why don't you start writing books? And I was like, that's a good idea. That'd probably really help. <laughs> if you're not doing the basics to get where you want to go, don't expect to get there. Get started. Take your next step. Right now, do me a favor right now. Let's change this year right now. Here's how we're going to change it. With your pen in hand, write down your next step. It can be simple. It should be simple. Don't make it big. You won't get started. Don't write down, clean out the whole garage. You'll never do that. <laughs> write down, clean out, six, clean out six feet in front of the door. That'll take you probably three or four hours if your garage looks like mine, right? Just, just clean that much, right? Don't overthink it. Don't, don't go too far out. Just say, what's my next step? And then when you get there, then you say, okay, now I'm going to tackle the cabinets. And when you get there, okay, now I'm going to start doing, and then I want to one day get one car in, right? It's probably going to be a small, subcompact car, but I'm going to get one car in, right? And after that, I want to get two cars in. And eventually, I want to get two cars in and have space on either side, right? In other words, what are we doing here? We're breaking down the big goal into small, accomplishable goals, one of the reasons we don't get started, we take on too much. So break it down into smaller steps. It doesn't have to be large and huge. You know, the day that he showed up at the temple, you know, you know how he did this? The Holy Spirit said, Simeon, yes, Lord, get up. Okay, I'll get up. Get your clothes on. Got my clothes on. Now what? Go to the temple. Okay. He just goes to the temple. <gasps> and there's a Savior. So his big, giant, difficult task was to do what? It wasn't to walk to the temple. That was the easy part. His big task was to believe God for something that he'd heard a long time ago, and when God spoke to him, do the small step. Quit trying to accomplish too much too fast. You can build amazing things in your life as long as you're willing to take the long view. Just do it one step at a time. Get that one step. Write it down right now. Hopefully all of you have one step written down. If you don't have a step written down, I'll wait. Raise your hand when you have your first step written down. I don't see enough hands going up. Come on, write down a step right now. What is it for you? I want to get close to God. Go buy a journal. They're, they're uh, I think, 99 cents at CVS. That's fine. Doesn't even have to say journal. It can just say Mead notebook across the front. That's fine. Right? Buy a journal. Get a Bible. Go to the bookstore and get a Bible. We have them, and if you can't afford one, we'll give you one. We want to get you a Bible. That's no problem. Okay, get a Bible, right? Uh, maybe your next step to grow spiritually is to just repent. Bible says you start with God by repenting. God, I just I want to turn back to you. I'm sorry. I haven't honored you. I want to come back to you. What is your next step? Maybe for you it's like, I can't overcome this addiction. You know what your first step is in? Admit that. And then go to AA. Just walk in the door. Oh, I'm not ready to get up there and talk. No one said you had to talk to anybody. Walk in. Sit down. Watch. You don't have to say a thing. You know, it's 12 steps. It's not one giant step. It's 12 steps, and last time I checked, a lot of people take months to do one step. Just go. <laughs> Walk in. Does that make sense? Join the gym. Come to church. 
commit to going to a small group. And then the first day they have small group, go. That's it. I don't want to say anything and I'm not ready to pray. No one asks you to say anything. No one asks you to pray. Just go. Walk in. One step. Don't let one step keep you from your future. The hardest spot to get going from is a position of standing still. But once you take a step, the easy thing to do after that is just to take a next step. And the next step, it's that first step that holds you back. There's an interview of a guy that ran 10,000 miles all across America. He said, how'd you do it? He said, one step at a time. That's how you got to look at it. Just one step at a time. You don't take on hundreds of miles at one time in your mind. You go crazy. Just one step. That's it. Break it down. You can do it. This year's going to be different. You know why? Different mentality. As a man thinks, so is he. As a person thinks, so are they. Think differently. Think steps. Take your next step. Know that you already got all the resources you need and pursue what God has put on your heart. Would you bow with me, your head with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm fired up, guys. I hope you are. It's going to be a different year. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Make this your prayer. Say, God, thank you for your goodness in my life. Just let them know how grateful you are for this last year. But God, I'll also thank you that this next year is better than the last. That this year, just like Simeon, is the year. This is that day when I begin to see the salvation of the Lord. This is that day when everything changes. Mark your calendar. This is the weekend. Everything changes for me. Praise God. So God spoke into my spirit, and he gave me that for you. God told me this week, I'm not preaching to you guys, I'm prophesying to you this year. You are going to have a better year this year. This is the year you get ahead. This is the year you get out of debt. This is the year you meet Mr. and Mrs. Wright. This is the year you finally forgive someone. This is the year you finally turn your career around. This is the year to get that degree. This is the year to see things happen in your life like you haven't seen in years. This is your year. If you receive that, lift your hand high to God and say, God, I received this. I believe this is my year. I'm going to step into this. I'm going to begin to look for the steps that the Holy Spirit will lead me to take. And maybe, just maybe, this is the day, as the Bible says, of your salvation. You can receive Christ by praying a very simple prayer. You can start off this year. I already know it's going to be better because you can start off with Jesus. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never trusted Christ, pray this prayer with me. You can say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again. You paid the price for my sins. I repent of my sins. I make you my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true. I'm fired up.